millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the What Culture Gaming podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Rich Hudson. Hello. And Josh Brown. Hello. And this week was Gamescom, Gamescom 2018, which is fast becoming Europe's E3. It's pretty much the biggest deal in gaming and all sorts of things were there. So I thought we'd just dedicate a whole episode to talking about it because there were all sorts of delicious bits and bobs. Uh, Rich, what was your biggest takeaway so far? Um... Oh, do you know what? <laughs> Every little thing. It was I, very nice. I honestly don't know. It's just lots of lots of quality stuff. Mm-hmm. I think unless I'm completely missing something, there's nothing that's like stuck out to me. I thought everything was great. It was. I mean, it was just overall. There was a lot of gameplay stuff, Mr. Josh. Yeah. Resident Evil Two was amazing. I thought that yes. we've already seen footage from that game before, but mm-hmm. they showed off, you know, new um, gameplay from Claire, new more stuff from Leon in. Man, I'm just I'm just ready for it. I'm ready for that Resident Evil experience now after seven, which was great. Seven yeah. was great. But I want to go back to that sort of core style of four. Yeah, I'm way more up for four or revelation style over shoulder resi is the best resi. Although I do like isometric resi. I think I don't know, I'd it's it's been a while since Capcom have put this much time and effort into something with that camera angle and that whole approach to it. Yeah. And uh yeah, so they showcased the uh, the William Birkin boss fight, man with the eye on the his shoulder. His arm, yeah. yeah, who uh, a lot of people sort of recognize and associate with Resident Evil. And yeah. it just looks great. Like I mean, it, even I know. recognized it. And I know, yeah. I know nothing about Resident Evil. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of like him and Nemesis. I like the sort of the yeah. two that sort of get out there. Well, Adam but, clearly yeah. thought he was Nemesis, if I recall. Yes, he did. He announced that thing. And I was like, nah, son, it's uh, it's Resident Evil 2. But yes, yeah, so I've got a bit of a list for us to crack on with. And, uh, and we'll end up going back around to Resident Evil 2. Because it seems to be a lot of people's most anticipated game. Um, but we'll get there. So one of the biggest things was Devil May Cry 5 got a big old chunk of gameplay. And uh, some more stuff for Dante. Um, but in terms of the gameplay, it's uh, they just showed Nero fighting in a town square. It seems like it's, I mean, it's like 60 FPS. Obviously, it's all 4K. It looks stunning, yes. I must say. The lighting, especially. And as you said, running at 60 FPS solid as well, because the gameplay they showed was the Xbox One X mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gameplay. It just uh, looks beautiful. I mean, yeah. the, the whole thing with that, they've kind of gone back to the drawing board a little bit and got some specific actors into model faces, and they've got, like, actual uh, clothes that they're wearing or what they have in the game and things like that to try and make it look semi-realistic as far as the character designs go. There was a part uh, that showed, like, the, the introduction of an enemy, mm-hmm. which reminded me of Smash Brothers. It's like, <laughs> this person coming in. Yeah, um, I mean... It's... I'm intrigued as to whether they're going to be pre-rendered or in-game, because you don't... Obviously, the beauty of modern stuff, you don't see that difference between... A, de- a pre-rendered cutscene mm-hmm. and the gameplay. So I'm intrigued as to whether that was 
in engine in real time. Like yeah. if there are alternate costumes as to whether that will change alongside the cutscenes as well. I know it's uh, yeah, they have this massive push towards graphics and it does look absolutely beautiful. In terms of it being stylized as well, like I mean the the meter that always comes on the side of the screen in DMC, like the whole, you know, stylish, awesome dreadful. Dre- yeah. <laughs> brutal or whatever it is. Uh, that thing actually like pulsates in time with the music now. I saw that. And that was, uh, yeah. it plays the devil trigger music, which I mean I've we've listened to that, that song. That is awesome. A few, you, a few thousand times. You have already. put that on the office so many goddamn times. Possibly the best chorus of the yeah, and right. there's a lot of good stuff this year. <laughs> but I'm a huge fan of the Devil Trick. Uh, also, uh, Dante's new look was debuted in full, um, which well, I like it. I like it. I, I like, like the I, new absolutely, look. Absolutely, I love it. Like you, like we were talking earlier before this podcast, and you mentioned that Dante's new look and the new feel of Dante is mm. sort of like an amalgamation of every version of his character so far. You've mm-hmm. got like you know, like the swagger of two. You've got like, is it the coat from three that you yeah, mentioned? The, pretty much the way he's wearing his coat is how he has it in three, where it's open with the strap along. I think he has the strap along the middle, but either way, the whole like open coat on the shoulders. Getting very nerdy about DMC, <laughs> but uh, I'm a huge DMC fan. So yeah, the the look of him in the new one is very much like it looks like they've taken influence from all the other. In, uh, incarnations. He doesn't have, doesn't seem to have the cowboy boots from DMC4. God um, damn it. But he looks great. I mean, his his face model, I don't know what you call the actor that they've based the new version on, um, but he's very Nirvana. Looks a lot like Cobain. Like I'm getting a real strong, grungy Kurt Cobain, Alice in Chains kind of vibe, um, which is, you know, couldn't be more love letter to me, to be honest. So is he just going to pull out I'll a guitar and kill demons with that? Well, DMC3 like, had him with a guitar. You oh, could really? play that. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. In DMC3, you could actually, like, you know, you could do riffs and kill dudes with guitars, brutal legend style. But the new weapon in this one is uh, a bike. He actually rides a bike into the gameplay clip and then dissects it into two like gloves God, and just, just punches the shit out of stuff with uh, these two bike gloves, which, you know, sure, I'm well, game for that. Talking about all of this raises a very um, sort of serious, salient question of the differences in the art style. It's like Rich said, it's um, far more down-to-earth, far more quote-unquote realistic art style, and you're still doing all of this stuff. And I know mm. before it was officially announced, me and you had a lot of conversations about how they were going to pull that off and whether yeah. that was going to be incongruous with what came before and it looks like you've done it really well mm-hmm. I mean you've got like Nero obviously Nero's like demon arm I think gets severed at the end of 4 I forget might get severed in this one but either way in the new gameplay he's got like a robotic arm he's using like a grappling hook and he's yes. like pulling demons towards him and stuff like that yeah he's like yeah. pulling dudes in and he like actually like lets it loose and rides it um, which is some <laughs> pure like phantom pain level he did insanity he a cool super move at one point in the gameplay I was watching where he like sort of like took it off and just sort of blasted a load of fools <laughs> yeah. and I was like, yeah, he got like a down laser didn't he yeah he absolutely yes, shredded yeah. them yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that might be one of the Devil Trigger like final specials or something. Because um, in the gameplay, it, it showed like there are two of these gauntlety, glovey things mm-hmm. in this level, and he was switching out. Well, the player was switching out between them during the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's uh, it seems like it's shaping up very well. I mean, it's been a decade. Like DMC Four was two thousand eight, so it's like if they're gonna bring the franchise back and the size of the fan base, they need to do it with the utmost. And confidence. that's completely ignoring DMC. Uh, how do you mean? Oh God, yes it is. I didn't even think how, of that. How well, on earth? Here's the thing, Scott. You're you're by far the most diehard DMC fan in this <laughs> office and potentially of all time. After <laughs> sort of DMC four and then yes. of course DMC the reboot. Is this enough to sort of bring back that those sort of old school? Fans? Oh God, yeah. I mean, you on, honestly, completely honestly, honestly, I forgot that 2013 game even happened, and I wow. do own it. But uh, yeah, I completely forgot about that um, because yeah, the way that they're going forward with this, obviously numbering it is a big tell to yeah. say that we're continuing where we left off. And the design of Dante is old school Dante albino with the big red coat and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, I think this is what fans have been waiting for. The, I, I mean, I was part of the whole rabble back in 2013, going, "That's not my Dante," and I just really hated what they did with him. Um, 
Um, so to di- dis- dis- discard that, like some Hobbit prequel, Star Wars prequel, and just pretend that it never happened and carry on where you left off, um, that's perfect for you me. You know what? It's going to have the perfect time. You know, we've got the new Terminator uh, movie just disregarding all the sequels. <laughs> we've got the new Halloween disregarding all of the sequels. Now we've got Devil May Cry disregarding that reboot. If only we could also disregard The Last Jedi and carry on where we left like, off. That, no, just, no. I that's my one for this. a debate for another time. <laughs> I refuse to get into this. So next news item is the Master Chief Collection is finally being fixed and being released September 1st. It only took them four years. Yes. What an absolute piss take. It is a little bit. So, um, yeah, basically the, the, initial re- the initial release of the MCC back in 2014 was a complete mess. Our matchmaking was mostly broken and it just took forever to, to make it playable at all. Um, so 343 went back to the drawing boards and eventually have managed to turn it around. So September 1st, it's the Xbox One X release. Um, so they're touting like 4K graphics, That's... all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's essentially just meant to be the version that was going to release four yeah, years ago. For something that was it's such a shoe in for being a success. I remember when they I first know. announced it at E3 and everyone was like, oh my God. God, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they manage to knacker it so badly? <laughs> well, it's just like, how, yeah, how do you mess up combining four of the best shooter games of all time? Even four, I would go to bat for. But like... I would like, go to bat for four. I'd go I to would bat go for to Mr. Bat. Four. But still, the original trilogy, obviously, you know, yeah, like yeah. prolific. And it's just like, yeah, how do you mess this up? And they did. It's, it's, one of the, it's like, oh, let's remaster the greatest game of all time. And mm. they just put absolutely no effort into it. Like, well, they know, did cause to it's, a degree. It's still, it's still three for three. Mm-hmm. Did yeah, they yeah. do the whole game? Uh, well, they, it's, I'm assuming that obviously there'll, there'll probably be other studios working with them as well. But obviously, I think mostly of, it was them. I mean, the more you delve into it, the, the developers have been very frank about the way that the production was handled. They just opened up on Reddit and they were just like, "We ran out of time. We tried our best." And the, the work that they have done—you look at the cutscenes that they redid for Halo Two, like they look phenomenal. Yeah. And it's like there are bits and pieces where their love comes through. I just find it amazing but, that they, they managed to do that alongside doing Halo Four and Halo Five mm-hmm. and now Infinite. I mean, five's another story. Yeah, I think yeah, we don't, talk about, we don't talk about five. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was always a very promising package, and regardless of the amount of time it's taken, I'm just glad that there is a way to play all those games in one place. And I think that's so, good. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I don't have an Xbox. I can play <coughs> Windows stuff on PC, so uh, I'm, there's a part of me that's kind of tempted to get it for PC because I've only played a bit of Halo 3. Well, man, it's, it's and totally I've not played Halo 1 and 2. Yeah, so. I mean, like, it has the whole custom matchmaking thing, yeah. so you can just tell it, like, look, give me the best levels from the whole trilogy in one big matchmaking playlist, and it's that's a great way to play that original trilogy. I think it's a great long overdue step for Halo at this mm. point in time because it's in a really weird place at the moment, that franchise, coming off 5 and the announcement of Infinite, which no one seems to know what the hell team, that thing even is. Fireteam Raven. But people, yeah, people yeah. were still yeah. excited. Like, when, you, when they... They, they did the reveal at E3 to open Xbox's conference, and mm-hmm. as soon as you saw the Chief's helmet, everyone went absolutely mental. So, yeah. irrelevant of like how bad Five was for people, people are still excited for. Well, that's more the Halo. thing. I mean, and plus, like obviously, they played their icon iconography cards very well because yeah. that that Infinite trailer was very reminiscent of the Silent Cartographer level. And you know, you even show the, the Chief's helmet, the the yellow visor, the green helmet. People are gonna go, "Oh my God, that's my childhood, or that's my teenage yeah, years, it's the Chief or again. whatever." Oh. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you've always got that to pull from. I mean, I was someone who went. What? When when they said it's a new Halo game, um, but Fireteam Ravens, their big push into making it an arcade staple, like in the cabinet kind of thing, and it just that just seems to be falling by the wayside. So I don't know. But uh, another little piece of news was uh, Shenmue Three finally got a release date, uh, at least as far as they say, coming August twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. Is think that's it exciting. though? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. to be it's just this idea of is it is it really going to happen? Because I know that people Ugh. have been convinced. It's like it's like Josh Brown and Death Stranding. Like people, <laughs> people aren't convinced this game's actually going to release. It's all just a big piss take. Well, the thing, yeah, another thing with Shenmue is that the the one in 
2 HD re-release, which apparently is a, is a really brilliant way to play, to play those games, and side-by-side side looks a hell of a lot better, cleaner, it's well-rendered, barely got any sort of fanfare or anything. Like, I mean, it's out now, it's been out for a few a, days. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, Shenmue is one of the most storied, prolific, you know, it's it's a very well-known franchise, but the, the re-releases of 1 and 2 are just kind of there. I just can't get excited for it, because the messaging <laughs> about this game, and even, like you said, the, mm. uh, the remix has been all over the place. They said at the start of this year, nope, it's definitely coming out before the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. We all knew that was BS, but <laughs> they kept up that messaging and then to now have to go, oh no, it's August of next year. Sorry, yeah, guys. and it's, it's just... just- the mix of like the Kickstarter thing and then like well actually you know it isn't bit, like Sony like oh no we're not helping with the development and then later on oh actually no we are helping with oh, we're going to fund it we're going to get involved and then just the amount of money they've asked for and then the complete lack of facial animation it just it seems a bit all over the place it's kind of in the same bracket as the Final Fantasy 7 remake for me where I'm just like I'll believe it when it's there like yeah. I just don't and people aren't too sure about that yet either no so. and so for Shenmue I mean I'm going to do the due diligence I went back I bought Shenmue 1 and 2 last night it took me it took a little while to download but I'm going to get stuck into them and then we'll just I'm, I need to see whether it still works for someone who is coming in fresh. I think, like you mentioned, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm-hmm. and that is sort of in the same position, but they have at least kept their head down and haven't constantly sort of put their foot in it. Like, there are reports coming out that, oh, it's not going to be ready until 2023 or whatever. Yeah. But there, there's going to be nothing official, no, like, official statements that can sort of fling mud back up in their faces like Shenmue Three constantly keeps doing. This is where they turn around at like PlayStation Experience and say Shenmue Three launching. What is it like August 2019? It wouldn't surprise in early me. Access. Yeah. Like yeah. at this stage, it really wouldn't surprise me. I just think the there's so much weight on that. I mean, like a few years ago, you had like the big threes, like the Last Guardian's never gonna happen, the Final Fantasy remake's never gonna happen, Shenmue Three never gonna happen. All of those have now been confirmed. Two out of three are like out there, I guess. Three, or at least out, Last three out of four, mate. We're still waiting on Half Life Three. Oh don't, god, don't yeah. About that one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's it's just that that hugely anticipated sequel weight. That it's, it's gonna that's gonna bug Shenmue because the, the expectation is gonna be so high. Mm-hmm. If there's one bug, there's one little thing, one character's chin doesn't move in like <laughs> sync with a word they're saying, the whole fan base is gonna go absolutely well, it's fine, rabbit. Because none of them have facial animations at the moment anyway. So oh, okay. <laughs> they're all just constantly shocked for the most part. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a there's a hell of a lot for it to live up to. I I'm cautiously optimistic. I want to believe that uh, what do you call them? Y- uh, YSNet the devs. Considering they've been waiting this long to do it, um, I would hope that it actually comes together. But yeah, um, so I'm going to mix in a couple of fan questions uh, while we're doing this thing. So from Blackheart Hero says, what are we most excited for? We kind of got into that at the beginning, um, but that was kind of what stuck out the most. For me, it's DMC5 um, because they're just they're pulling out all the stuffs for it. And I just I adore the way that Dante looks. Um, but as we'll get to other stuff as well, there's also Cyberpunk, there's Sekiro. Like, there's a good old Sekiro, chunk. Sekiro, we haven't even talked we'll about Sekiro. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to Sekiro. Unless, unless you want to talk about Sekiro now, if it is your most looking forward to game. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. So we, we talked about this briefly in the podcast before, what mm-hmm. we're looking forward to like going forward in the coming months. <clears throat> man was obviously Spider-Man, Red yep. Dead. Sekiro was, has always been on the radar, but it's never been up there. And mm-hmm. man, after these gameplay trailers, I am I am <laughs> really sold. I am really, really so sold. So let me drop in. Uh, Sekiro finally got a release date as well, uh, March 22nd, 2019. Everything's just getting out the way of Red Dead 2. It's just, yeah. sort of like, let's just flee into 2019. I mean, I, I at least they know. Yeah, and, oh God, and, yeah. And then the, 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 another good thing you can bring from that is they're giving players a chance to play Red Dead. Like, oh yeah, I'm not going to turn and go. Oh, here you go. You have three days of Red Dead, and then you can come and play our game. Yeah, you kind of need to get out the way of yeah. the new Rockstar release. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way that they showed Sekiro off, and let's just get stuck into gameplay stuff. Um, the way they're trying to differentiate it from Bloodborne is to have this massive focus on uh, stuns and counters, and like every melee stab really matters. You're not sort of. It just it seems like it's kind of going like a like a For Honor ish route, where yeah. it's like you really need to pay attention to everything I, that you're doing. I'm, I'm very new to. Dark 
Dark Souls. Mm. I'm very new to the Souls games. Mm -hmm. So would, would you say Sekiro is a Souls game? Oh like, yeah, I would watching the so. gameplay, it's like you got this, and then you set it a shrine, and mm -hmm. all this. It's still very much a From Software like yeah, Souls yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, um, they, they carry that stuff. Across. Compared to like when I started playing Dark Souls Remastered, and I'm getting dicked on in the first level. <laughs> By looking, I mean, I don't know what at what point in the game that gameplay is from, but it mm -hmm. doesn't look like you are going to be the weakest man in the room for once. No, the, I mean, the, with a from what I know so far from yeah. like Souls games. There's a lot more empowering mechanics in Sekiro. I mean, like, obviously one of the big things is stealth. That's kind of where the Tenchu like, vibes kind of come from. Um, and they've, they've got this system where uh, it's like a specific contextual spot on the screen. And if you still like you're still fighting an enemy or you're hovering around them in like a stealth-based capacity, then you'll get this little hover icon on them. And if you match that, you can just instantly kill them. Yeah. So you free that up by fighting them normally or you can just stealth kill stuff. So there is a way to thin the ranks, which there's never been in Souls yeah. and Bloodborne. Not well, there has been a, a natural progression of making the the player more active in these games ever since the first Dark Souls. Obviously, a lot of people played Dark Souls, myself included, the mm. first time as a tank, you know, fat rolling everywhere, shield <laughs> up, sword uh, primed. Uh -huh. But ever since then, Dark Souls 2 didn't really, didn't, I think one character in Dark Souls 2 started you off with a shield, whereas everyone else, you were like double handing weapons and mm. you were trying to be more offensive. Then in Bloodborne, you had the rally mechanic, which made you constantly go into fights and sort mm -hmm. of fight back. And this seems like the culmination of that natural progression in that you want to be on, you want to be active in these fights you want to be sort of going after these people you want to be mm -hmm. fitting in the herd you don't want to be sort of standing back and I think like you said Rich that will be a more accessible better potentially experience. I was literally going to ask like do you think that makes Sekiro more of an accessible Ooh. game I, I mean th to be honest um, the first Dark Souls is still very much accessible like yeah. it's hard and it's unforgiving but you can leap in and if it's you a go, very if you go in knowing game. that you're not going to get like you're not going to feel like you've wasted money yeah yeah and it's like th that's the thing that's kind of the beauty of like the Souls games and obviously everyone a lot of people discover them retrospectively if you go all the way back to Demons 2009 like yeah. there's that whole thing where you can leap in you've got your dodge roll you know you can attack and dodge and, uh, sorry and block and stuff and yeah Sekiro seems like they're expanding that base moveset like I think now you have a dedicated jump button um, yeah. and like they've changed the way that like uh, obviously you can die twice obviously in the title but you have that option now like fable style where like you can come back straight away or you can reset back to the checkpoint and, and replenish but they're, they're like sort of mechanics that build on the assumptions that come with a Souls game but I think that base set of mechanics is still like really accessible before what I've seen it looks like it's still going to be a, a satisfactory game for yeah. the Souls fans yeah I mean like, like from software are building an identity right yeah. now like but I think that they're, they're, they're opening up this potential accessibility and not pulling up a Thesda by stripping it bare. Mm, no. And then saying, here we go, like more people can get into this. And, mm -hmm. you know, admittedly, it worked. Yeah. All yeah. that for. Mm -hmm. But if it's going to work for Sekiro, because, I mean, obviously, like I said, I've only played like a few hours of Dark Souls mm -hmm. and I'm terrible at it, but I want to play more <laughs> of it. And watching this, this Sekiro stuff, I'm thinking, I, I would play this. Because, I mean, Sekiro looks like, to me, it's it's got the pace of Bloodborne, but I like, there's way more style to it. Like a lot of the, I'm just calling them like fatalities, a lot of the moves that you can pull off when you get enemies so low enough over health. the top yeah. and brilliant. Yeah, you're like climbing on dudes' heads and like doing yeah. like Wind Waker style, like plunge through the head and stuff like that. And I saw uh, someone gift on uh, Twitter. It was like, yep, Sekiro is still a Souls game. And it was basically this, uh, this person who was playing fighting this big monster doing a bunch of different attacks like you know you, you get in like a flow in souls and you're like right i've got this and then they you know they did the the um assumed like oh they got a bit greedy and the enemy just grabbed them picked them up and threw them over a cliff and killed them <laughs> and it's just like everything can just go sideways so fast and that's kind of something that we associate with dark souls um and i imagine that on the on the dev side like they've got to balance the stealth the empowerment of stealth and one hit kills definitely with like the impetus to actually want to fight instead of just sticking to stealth um for me i'll be getting stuck into both sides of it like i there hasn't been a truly great stealth game we talked about this last podcast there hasn't been a truly great stealth game in a long time uh, or something that really puts stealth to the fore i guess maybe hitman yeah but um 
you know, the eyes of the world are kind of on Sekiro. So I'm kind of interested yeah. to see how they balance everything. It's really interesting how they've, like like we said, they've kept the bones of those Souls games. And mm. I really didn't think they would, honestly, right. when, that, when it was first announced at um, E3. Mm-hmm. I really thought this was going to be a markedly different game from Souls. And it is. Yeah. But that core foundation, the, some of the mechanics are carrying over and being evolved so that you can come from those games and mm-hmm. sort of have a familiar time. And yet, like you said, Rich, it's bringing in an entirely new audience who can jump into this and then maybe even go back and play those other games. Yeah, which are obviously all still recommendable and they haven't aged that badly, course, if yeah. at all, really. Um, let's talk about Bones, though. So one of the other new gameplay things is the dude's, like, prosthetic, weird, undead, replaceable arm. Shinobi arm, I Shenanigans, yeah. So he's got, like, a... like a uh, He can fire shurikens from it. He can transform it into an axe. I think they've like the grapple itself is part a of that. Flame a flamethrower, man, A flamethrower. It seems that they're, just, they're sort of indulging in the, in the wacky... I mean, Bloodborne had some stuff like that, too. Like, the more over-the-top steampunky kind of weapons. Um, so I guess a part of that identity kind of carries across. But for me, the biggest um, thing that's going to change gameplay the most is the grappling hook, because I... I just want to be on the move the whole time. And it seems like you can turtle around enemies way faster by just grapple flinging past them like yeah, back and forth. It'll be quite like Dark Souls meets Doom. Yeah, I guess so. In terms of how you get around. With like a little bit of like Titanfall-ish physics, although it's very canned animation style to get around them. In, in like going back to that sort of arm and like the grappling hook, mm-hmm. that sort of makes it more of a kind of spectacle fighter than it does yeah. a sort of Dark Souls thing. So you have the contemplative, methodical, you've got to learn your enemies fighting game mm-hmm. style uh, combat system, but mm-hmm. then you've also got this thing where you're flipping around and you're <laughs> stabbing dudes in the neck and you're setting them on fire with your massive magic arm. And <laughs> that's, that, that's great. That's a back they're of the box. They're managing to blend accessibility with the spectacle. And if yeah. they do that with the with the groundwork, they're onto an absolute winner. Plus, I mean, I think they're taking a little bit of a nod from like the like so some of the stuff that Platinum's pioneered, like Platinum are the only name when you start talking about third person action hack and slash type stuff. And yeah. they've sort of brought across, like you said, spectacle based things. And a little bit of it reminds me of Neo. Like Neo has like a stun gauge and the, the, the pace of Neo. I think they've kind of looked at the competition and gone, like, well, we can step ourselves up as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a lot of Sekiro talk, but it does look pretty damn good. It looks lovely. Should it does look gorgeous. That question? Yes, so I was going to say, that was a whole big old segue. Rich, yeah. what was your, what game you looking forward to? Well, oh, God, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, I think just in general, I think it would just be a really, really fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want stuff to play on my PS4. Because well, it just yeah. sort of sits there, bar Dark Souls Remastered, which I haven't touched very much. You'll um, Black Ops 4 is another one. Like, I mm-hmm. was not, like, when it first got announced, I was like, oh my God, it's a new Black Ops game. And mm-hmm. then all stuff happened, and it was like, oh, okay, this is starting to go a bit. Mm-hmm. And then um, the zombie stuff, obviously, I'm excited for, mm-hmm. of course. But then after playing the beta for the multiplayer, I'm actually very, very re-excited for this game. <laughs> I think it could be really good. Um, it's, a, but, it's a strange thing with um, the Black Ops 4. We can get on a Battlefield later, but like obviously Call of Duty Battlefield and Battlefield have dominated the military shooters for the longest time. Which is general, just, like FPS is yeah, on yeah, a, like on a, since like two thousand relatively daily. Um, daily, daily, a yearly uh, mm-hmm. release. So, but it's just like they've been at the fore for so long, and it kind of feels like I mean, Black Ops has put a better foot forward than I think Battlefield has by a considerable margin so far. But like, I, I don't know, the, the general sort of conversation around both of them at the minute isn't that positive. Like, yeah. it's just sort of like, well, bits of I mean, it are we'll, fine. We'll get, we'll get onto Battlefield eh. in a minute. I'm sure we'll bring Black Ops up mm-hmm. uh, back mm-hmm. then because there is there is a comparison to make between the two, especially in its current state. But in terms of like another game I'm excited for that is the very much on a very. Uh, um, obscure slant because mm. obviously I like my PC games mm-hmm. um, and I doubt you two have heard of this because it was at the PC gaming show at E3 is it Toybox Turbos 2 no it's not it, I wish I wish um, <laughs> there's a game coming from Coffee Stain Studios who okay. made Goat Simulator okay uh, I mean, that's, I mean <laughs> I'm, right. only, I'm only saying that because that's the biggest no, that, game that I made a ludicrous amount of money it did. Um, and they, did, they also did things like Sanctum which is the, the FPS tower defense right. game from god knows when Okay, uh, but they're doing a new game called Satisfactory Okay. Which is a resource sim where you're on a planet 
and you've got a bunch of aliens and you need to essentially plan resources, use resources, and you mm-hmm. build machines and conveyor belts and you get everything running autonomously. I want to say it's, that's it's has very, that been in early access for a while. No. It's very similar to a game called Factorio. Uh, which I've played it. an absolute ton of already. That's it. But it's like that, but in 3D, it's gorgeous. It's again, it's, it's built as like Factorio as an FPS. And I know right. people who aren't who don't like Factorio of what it is. Mm-hmm. But in an FPS setting with that extra approach to the gameplay, which will benefit more the combat against uh, in aliens and stuff mm-hmm. versus the actual management side of things, um, it's going to be a lot more accessible, as we've already said today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's another game I'm, I'm super hyped for. Any no idea like, when it's um, coming out. No, n- none of that. No <laughs> idea. Coffee Stain are very, very funny about joking about how little time they're putting into this game, which okay. counters, like, you know, the, the self-deprecating humor. It's like, that's, that's all funny, but I, I want to play Satisfactory. Yeah. And I have it now, please. I mean, when Goat Simulator took off, they made like eight versions of it. There's yeah. like an MMO one and like some... And the DLCs yeah. and like... Oh, it's, yeah. It's very... I mean, I played about half an hour of Goat Simulator and it's like, ah, oh, this is funny. And I guess I'm, I am interested... Never, never going to play this again. I'm interested to see what they do as a follow-up to Goat Simulator. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, but let's get back to some big old stuff. Cyberpunk 2077 got another demo. Wow. Um, but I don't know if you guys read the description from what people saw. I did. Yes? I did. It's, 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 it's... It was a little bit different. Um, yeah. So apparently the one that they showed at E3 uh, basically had the character. character's called V, regardless yeah. of whether you're male or female or whatever. Uh, you're called V. And the demo that they had at E3 was basically them trying to get into this like gang hideout or gang area. Um, and the way that they did that in the E3 demo was to just go all full on guns blazing, attaching to the wall like with your arm spikes and shooting down on everybody. Um, and, you know, taking advantage of the cover system and whatever, all that kind of stuff, mind hacking and all that. So for Gamescom, uh, they sat everybody back down again. In the room that they would show the rest of the world, they just show the select few that just get in. let us. Just it. let us see it, mate. <laughs> um, so the one that they did at Gamescom was the same setup, but instead of going all guns blazing, the character uh, V, which has been played, which was a male version this time around, because they wanted to show that you can do um, like mixed relationships and stuff. Like basically, he woke up next to a guy in bed instead of a woman waking up cool. uh, with a guy, which is just cool to see. Um, and so instead of that uh, scenario being repeated, he went through to the area where all the gun-toting people were and walked through to the cr- the, my, uh, the crime boss and just had a conversation with him instead and just sort of said like, "Look, the thing that I was going to steal from you, uh, I'm going to let you know that I need." it and then uh, that like turned the crime boss on the person that you've been hired by and right. so the whole scenario went completely differently and you got given the thing you were going to be stealing because the person that um, the crime boss was like well thank you for giving me the information and it just the whole thing went completely differently and it was more dialogue focused um, so I mean you know they've been hinting at things like that and we've seen systems like that in Deus Ex or um, sometimes even The Witcher but to uh, to have like a fully responsive world is the big sell for Cyberpunk that's so, what I saw uh, yeah. I saw this interview uh, I think it's by, uh, by NVIDIA mm-hmm. spoke to I think one of the directors of the game and he was tell- saying about you know you can approach um, situations in different ways like it, I think it's in like Fallout if you if you point your gun at somebody they might bow to mm-hmm. your whims mm-hmm. but yeah. I think they're taking that much more seriously in Cyberpunk oh, totally. because obviously when, when they first obviously cyber, we, we all thought at first, that 2077 was going to be just an RPG, third-person RPG. Kind of. I mean, I, um, I adore CDPR, so I was yeah. like, they're going to do something and special. And it, it turned out to be an FPS, people were like, mm. oh, God, it's just an FPS. Mm-hmm. Um, but they seem to be trying to add that that layer of depth into it. But mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's really selling me on it is they're not turning around and saying, this is going to be like... Uh, an open world RPG FPS like it's still going to be this linear game but you can take it in whatever direction you mm. want I mean it's it's, kind of got... it's, it's, it's it's like an FPS but with just a ton more depth mm-hmm. rather than just going here, like here's the corridor you go down but here's like you're, you're actually in a massive field like you can do whatever the hell you want mm-hmm. but I like that from a game because if I, I don't like being dropped into the middle of just this massive like you do what you want like, right. I was like that with Horizon when I first played Horizon I thought this is amazing but like, what do I do now? There's so much to do. I, I, mean, I, I feel like I need to do all of it, and I can't be asked. Yeah, like, Horizon I, I, had a lot of side content, but, like, once you got stuck into the main missions, you could just mainline them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it seems like with, with Cyberpunk, like, yeah, it, it is kind of, you can dovetail off and just explore the world, because both CDPR and Rockstar are prioritizing just, like, an amazing <clears throat> or endless amount of, like, immersive systems that all overlap. Like, Red Dead is, like, one of the most interactive worlds ever, and yeah. it seems like Cyberpunk is kind of going down that route, but there is a story you just mainline if you want to do that, too, um, which I like the sound of. I love in CD Project Red games like The Witcher, well, The Witcher series mostly, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, none of their side missions feel like side content, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. Everything seems like important, and you can you can <clears throat> do the main story. And the main story is great, but mm-hmm. everything else is is so fully formed and so fleshed out. Like you said, you could you could accomplish the ways 
the tools you have at your disposal are the exact same tools you have at your disposal in the main campaign. Mm-hmm. So you can accomplish those side missions whichever way you want. You can interact with that world in whichever way you want. And for me, that's always the best part of those games. It's the same <laughs> with kind of rock stars kind of tapping into that mm-hmm. where I just want to be in a world and I want to be able to interact with it and explore and sort of make my mark on it. And I think they give you the opportunity to do that mm-hmm. in in a way that few other developers do. Yeah, and I think it's it's a worthwhile distinction to make that um, Ubisoft open worlds tend to fall into the wrong side of that, where it's like, here's a million fetch quests, so here's a million like collectibles to go find. That's That seems to be, as we move through the generation, or potentially on the cusp of the next generation, the way that the, the an older way to do an open world game, because everyone is so sick of that style of design. Yeah. Like, it's just so full of busy work and things like that. Especially with, like like, like I said about there being so many of them now, mm. It's it, especially on Ubisoft's side, like, I know Assassin's Creed isn't going to be every year now, mm-hmm. but having this massive open world there's so much to do every two years you think like A how are you put how are you managing to mm-hmm. make these mm-hmm. but also how are you expecting us to play them well that's the thing with Assassin's Creed Odyssey I mean like it's only I can't think how many months it's been since uh, Origins but it's not very long and like Odyssey is just sort of here's another massive 75 hour thing and it's like if you've just if you rinsed Assassin's Creed Origins and you got a lot out of it playing uh, Odyssey is pretty much just like hitting the reset button again Yeah, and that can be incredibly tiring I that's, actually, I, that's all I saw when I saw it on E3 it just, it just looks like the same thing again. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that's the kind of what you get with Assassin's Creed, but like, honestly, in this case, does it, it look just like looks so origin. similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're entirely spot on, and that's the biggest criticism I've had of Ubisoft this generation. That's what I do. But I think we are actually seeing them change that focus in a mm. way with sort of stuff like uh, Ghost Recon, and I know uh, Siege isn't open world, but they start to treat these games as sort of platforms for content, oh, yeah. and they 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 give you a reason to return to Wildlands. They put the Predator in, they put Sam Fisher in, yeah. they have crossovers with other games, mm-hmm. and I think. I think that's going to be the best for these open world games going forward. I know it is really soon to have Odyssey after Origins, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they try to mine Odyssey for more game time than any other Assassin's Creed before I, and mm. just let it breathe. Yeah, well, that's I mean, another thing about I just don't like it. I don't like it if a game turns around and says you have to come back and play me. Like we expect you to come back and play, which is right. also the approach that EA took with Battlefront Two, which mm-hmm. obviously went completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Like just just having that approach with everything. Like, have they have they confirmed that Beyond Good and Evil Two is going to be like a linear game? No, at, at the minute that's the, still kind of the, up in the air, isn't it? Yeah, the design doc for that is very much them doing a No Man's Sky, where it's you take on missions, you have a crew. Oh, sorry, not a crew, but <clears throat> you have a ship and you're going between planets. Um, yeah. And like Jade is is some sort of evil character now, and yeah, it's very much up in the air. I mean, if you read into that game, uh, Michelle Oncel was pretty much just started development when they announced it, so I, I don't think even he really knows what it's going to be. Yeah, it was like day zero, like last yeah. year, wasn't it? Or and it was like I can't even think where this. This is un- I can't think of the source right now, but there was someone who said that what they were what they were in the room with their uh, Michelle Oncel when everything was being announced and he was just sitting there in his room going like, yep, we need to figure this out. And it was like, yeah, literally day zero or day minus five of development. Um, but At yeah. least it is happening though. Well, apparently, be- I mean, I, I think they tried out uh, Beyond Good and Evil because they needed to stave off uh, Hostile Takeover from Vivendi. Right. So like Ubisoft, I mean, you had that whole thing where it was like, you know, Ubi at E3 and it was like, we're all a family. Like, please don't take us away. And like, they've, you know, got on stage. Like, oh God, we've got all these projects in the works. Like, you can't stop us now. And then now that they've, that's all stopped and, and Vivendi have like, you know, retracted their claws then like they can kind of go back to being like actually it's not coming until like 2025 <laughs> um but i mean yeah the, the whole thing with beyond good and evil just seems incredibly as i know ambitious and potentially not in the best way um another fan question uh, from dylan todd says favorite game that deserved a sequel and never got one so we'll deviate away from games Ooh. call for a little bit just for a bit of a curve oh, i need to contemplate on this okay you, you can contemplate that comes to mind um god <laughs> i could go back into soul I'm, I'm right on it oh this god. guy and it, admittedly the reason why oh. I, uh, the reason why every time i'm <laughs> i don't know what it is i'm just coughing as i'm I just talk. such a phlegmy um, man <laughs> 
Um, a uh, game that was going to get a sequel based on how the game ends, but mm-hmm. never got one due to the studio being closed down. One of my favorite games of all time. I probably ruined the future chatty faces with this, but <laughs> Split Second. Oh, oh God, right. yeah. Split yeah. Second Velocity, as we know yeah. in the UK, is one of my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time, but also one of my favorite racing games of all time. Probably yeah. the best arcade racer in my opinion. <laughs> and at the end of the game, it's there's like a big tease, like something's happening. Oh, you're you know you're on the podium. You just finished the season. You won, yeah. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, all this stuff happens. And it's all very. You see like a logo, and it's like, what's this? And the commentators are like, oh god, what's happening? Oh, not them, not them. <laughs> and then it cuts, and it's like to be continued. And then annoyingly, and uh, Disney uh, had a massive like uh, shred of all their interactive stuff. Mm-hmm. And BlackRock, who were based in like Brighton, I think, I think so, yeah, or Bristol or something. Um, they got they got uh, closed out of it. So Split Second never got the sequel that it deserved. Tragic. That's, that's uh, yeah. probably one of the games that I'd, I'd love to see a sequel for, but uh. only if they do like a Doom Eternal and they change very little. Right. If they yeah, brought yeah, it yeah. back and they'd added loads of new stuff and it'd been like, well, this isn't what I want. Because mm-hmm. the beauty of that game is how simple it is. True. I mean, the, the, that plays directly into the whole like 4K over the top, like massive 100 inch TVs. For, for, a game so that, for a game that's on 7th gen, mm-hmm. it is stunning. We should quickly say what Split Second is. It's pretty much Burnout with Hollywood Pyro. Yeah, where you're, it's, you're it's, triggering it's, it's, it's stuff you're around, around You're racing around a big TV set. A whole, mm-hmm. a whole city built as a TV set. And in order to get past other pl- other races, you have to blow stuff up and mm-hmm. destroy them. And mm-hmm. it's it's mental. And when you see Disney's <laughs> logo at the beginning, you think, Disney? What? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. And I think... If they just turned around and said, "Yeah, you can experience this in 4K," like they'd make a killing out. Of oh it. god, yeah. I mean, it, it would fit perfectly. Plus, there's a, there's such a gap for arcade racers. I mean, the yeah. nearest is Forza Horizon, and that ain't nowhere near a burnout. It's still um, it's like an yeah. arcade racer, but with horrendously realistic driving. Yes, but it still it still has that vibe of like just super fast. Like you can get tunnel vision once you hit the nitro yeah, yeah. boost. Like it's so good, Mr. Josh. Have you thought? Uh, yes, I have an honorable mention first. Okay, which is uh, Sunset Overdrive. Oh, that deserves a second game because Insomniac are great, and that is if if you are at all worried about Spider-Man PS. Play mm. Sunset Overdrive yeah. and realize how good that is. But mm. my main pick is Alan Wake. And I know it's Ooh. sort of got a DLC, DLC but yeah. that doesn't count. That's not, <laughs> that's not a true sequel. In the ending of the first one, it ends at a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. um, which I think is fine. That's a that's that's okay with me. A lot of great horror fiction, thriller fiction ends on a sort of ambiguous note like that, Twin Peaks and stuff, the mm-hmm. things it was inspired by. But still, I thought that played really well. I know when it came out, the story got a lot of praise, the atmosphere got a lot of praise, and the gameplay sort of got shot on a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that sort of the loop of... Um, wearing down enemies with your flashlight and the light sources in general and then finishing them off with a shotgun blast at the face was incredibly <laughs> satisfying. I mean, it's Remedy, so they do third-person yeah. shooting really well, and I want a sequel to that. Microsoft, make it happen. <laughs> I would, Yeah, I would back that. I mean, I got a little bit sick of the combat after a while, but the general look, the feel, all the little shows that that thing that, that they pays tribute to, all the different, like, you know, horror movie or thriller ephemera that that thing pays tribute to, it's just gorgeous. Um, yeah, my shout, I was trying to think of games that, because I was going to go down, you know, franchises that needed a final installment. I was going to say Metal Gear, because as much as I love Phantom Pain, that ain't the final, that ain't yep. the end of the plot, to, uh, the plot bits that we needed. Um, but if you're going to go off a single game, it would be Singularity, which I don't think hardly anybody Ooh. played. Ooh. Did you My God, it? yes, it yeah. was great. I put that in many lists. Yes, so we, we try and put it in all the hidden gems, overlooked, underrated, whatever. It's like just the whole world noticed this game. Uh, oh God, and as I say that, I think of uh, PsyOps the Manga Conspiracy, but we talked about that last we podcast. We talk about that all the time. Please we'll check out episode one. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, uh, but Singularity, uh, first person 
first-person shooter. I think it was developed by Raven, uh, Raven Software. It was. Uh, Raven, it was. one of the most dependable, just such a great developer. Who are um, stuck doing Call of Duty. Yes, yep. they are, but they used yep. to have such a great... Well, they still do have a great track record. Um, but yeah, uh, Singularity was a first-person game. Uh, time travel, or was alternate dimension stuff, where you caused like, this alternate history thing, and it was all about these different mind-melding powers, and you could pick stuff up with your special gun. And it was just great. I would recommend a lot of people to just go check out some footage of Singularity. I absolutely adored that game. The gameplay, it just... It just it, it works. It just yeah. really does work. And it didn't sell Call of Duty numbers. So Activision were like, we'll have none of that, and, um, please. And it's like, it's it reminded me, when I went back, when I was going through Titanfall 2, uh, there's a level called Effect and Cause, um, where you're basically, you're going between two timelines at the same time. So you're facing off against some enemy who's right in front of you. You can walk between, like you go to the future, walk around where behind where they would be and walk back to the past again. And you're just behind them and you can like manipulate time to take people out. And um, there's some of that in Singularity. It's kind of like, was it pre-Quantum Break? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was on uh, two thousand seven or six, I think. Blimey, singularity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a little, just a well-made game that just went completely under the radar. Um, so yeah, that will be my shout. Um, back to Gamescom stuff. Um, Destiny. Oh sorry, Activision are going forward with more Destiny bants. I know most people have fallen off the Destiny yeah. train. I've never played Destiny. See, I'm not I that. First, as it's, much as it's an like, FPS, I'm just like, Bleh. yeah, it's very polarizing. I think um, there is that little hardcore pocket of people who just adore Destiny. I mean, yeah. I remember reading uh, across the board that the average playtime across all Destiny players, everybody is 500 hours. That is immense. Because the, the fan base that are there absolutely love it. No doubt. No, I know. No doubt. And but. it's like the, the way that it plays is immaculate. It's just that it, they don't have, you know, the narrative trappings for it. But that's where this kind of comes in. They basically um, put out that uh, Cade 6. Do you know who that man is? Are you a fan? He's I, Nathan I, I, Fillion's character. Oh, right, right. He's, uh, I, I kind of recognize, I recognize the name. Right. Josh knows who Kate Six is. I know he is. You know Kate Six. I know Nathan Fillion. Well, he's dead, mate. So oh, they, right, they wanted... <laughs> Kate Six is basically uh, Destiny's most sort of memeable character. He's right. the one that's the most lovable. He's voiced by Nathan Fillion. Um, and he's, he fronted the initial uh, launch trailer for Destiny 2. Um, and basically, all-round lovable guy. So they've got the Destiny 2 uh, Forsaken DLC, and they've basically released a CG trailer where Kate Six gets killed off, and uh, where it's like his final stand. He's taken out as many people as possible, and then the big final boss guy walks towards him and he goes to raise his gun for one last shot and the final boss guy just smashes him in the face with uh, whatever mace he's got. And that's apparently the end of Cade 6. Damn it. I know. I wish I was more invested, but so, still, damn so it. So has, that, has fans, fans turned around and gone, well, uh, okay. They seem to be doing a Joker in Arkham City slash night scenario because the end of that thing, like you see Cade 6 get hit with the, um, the mace thing and then it shows him fly through a wall and it's like, He's okay. probably still lying yeah. down in that rubble somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, they've made a big point of saying, no, he's dead. He's definitely dead. We promise he's dead. Okay. Um, but I almost guarantee he's not. Um, <laughs> but that's the big talking point. The fans going to go, oh, he's alive. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, people are already starting to scour, like, you know, the, the, the footage that's there, the things that are being said about him, like the interview snippets to be like, is he really dead or what? Because a lot of people, I mean, I mean, I guess you could ask Destiny fans, they'll name every single gun and everything. But Kate 6 was kind of the mainstream pull. So I guess that's maybe their, their way of getting a wider audience in. Well, maybe I'll jump in and see if he's alive. No, you won't. No, I won't. None of us will. But, but so. it's, uh, it's it's worth pointing out as a talking point in the gaming industry, depending on how it goes. Um, because this could be the way that Destiny gets back on top, but I doubt it. Uh, another thing was uh, the next game from Resogun and the uh, next Machina, I believe, is the next game that they did. It was like a, a side scrolly shooter thing. That's how um, Housemark is. Housemark, yeah. They're, they just, so they're just so reliable. They make great, just eye popping, 4K, pleasurable games. Uh, and Resogun became kind of like a nice little firm favorite when the PS4 launched. Uh, their next game, uh, they're diving into 
into the battle royale genre. Um, well, I say dying. Okay. Well, Just a bit too late. I see. Well, I don't know. It's it's either it's too late because it's established itself as PUBG and Fortnite, and I guess we'll see how COD and Battlefield get on. But uh, their next game is going to be called Storm Divers, um, and when you look at the footage for it, it is it does look a lot like a sci-fi reskin Fortnite. It, it's the thing. That's the thing about battle royale. Mm-hmm. Irrelevant of what you do, irrelevant of the different things you do, because I'm knowing that they showed off like either that was weather effects or that was like the zone that's going to push mm. players together. But it, they, they are doing their own thing, mm. but they all look like the same game. I right? think they're kind of hamstrung by the, the rules of the battle royale yeah. genre. It's like if uh, if Capture the Flag became its own massive genre, you would it would it always would have to yeah, be so be two flags and then a bunch of people. That's, that's about it. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm surprised, honestly, that a battle royale game has, has come out of uh, Gamescom that wasn't the ones we already know about, mm. so Black Ops 4 and Battlefield 5. Mm-hmm. I just think they're going to get absolutely dicked on. They might do. I mean, Housemark have the sort of like indie vote um, because they they kind of like, they straddle that line where they make like indie focused stuff with indie mentalities and their smaller budgets, but they tend to get, you know, they're on sale a lot and a lot of people yeah. know Resogun or whatever. So it's like Housemark, like I said, are very beloved, especially like on social media kind of thing. And Storm Divers does look good. It's a, and, and in terms of the way that it looks like it plays, there's a very, there's a big focus on classes and they show someone dropping like, you know, the initial drop of the round and they produce like a sword and immediately go invisible. And then you start following someone else with a big rocket launcher. Personally, that was uh, that cloaked themselves appears in midair and cuts the guy down and it's all in game yeah. so it's like there are ways to play this that are more demonstrably like class uh, irrelevant of what you bring to it battle royale is battle royale mm-hmm. and it's it, it gets boring can do it, it does yeah. like the battle royale boom that we've had I mean I know that, that Fortnite is still the biggest game in the world right yep. now uh, and PUBG is is sort of in a weird position right now. It's still mm-hmm. very popular, but it's sort of like, eh, people don't... Mm. They feel like they're chasing and they used to be the market leader. Like, yeah, it's like Fortnite yeah. kind of ripped I, I them think, off. I think they're trying yeah. to... I think they've, they've realized they need to just do their own thing now. Like, this yeah. is why I'm interested in these guys more than I am in sort of Battlefield Five or uh, Blackout because this seems to have more of an identity, like you mm. said. It, yeah. the, uh, the stuff coming out of the other studios is just, oh, it's a Battle Royale game and there isn't really an identity to it. You can... Sh- Crap on Fortnite as much as you <laughs> want to crap on Fortnite. But that has a distinctive look. It has yeah. the building elements. It's but not then, just Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they, the other companies have tried to do that. They've tried to introduce their own approach to Battle Royale, their own style, their own everything like that. And all of them have fallen flat on their ass. The biggest one that I can Radical think of Heights. is Radical Heights from <laughs> Boss Key that just was... Such a dumb idea from, from, it was from like, good old Cliffy B. Yeah, I mean, but that, that failed because it was broken and unfinished. I mean, yeah, but else. even then, like, just, oh, let's let's take a more whimsical approach. Let's, let's take the sort of art style of and Fortnite, but style. make it even sillier. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why? It was too naked a cash grab. I mean, it was yeah. coming out of, like, we, everyone knew that Lawbreakers was failing and that the, the servers were shutting down. And then their big response to that was like, actually, guys, we're pivoting into Battle Royale. And it's but 80s th- themed. That, that game was just dreadful. Like, even looking at it for, for a 20, a game in 20, mm-hmm. it was 2018. Wasn't uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Just it looks awful. I just, I mean, so, I, I, I really like Cliffy B. I know he's like he's put his, he's put his foot in his mouth a lot, but I, I always liked his ambition. I, I mean, I grew up with oh, him. There's, there's no, there's no dispute in it. This guy really is dedicated. To, yeah, to, yeah. To his and work. like, he was always the guy that was like had the big like full size Gears of War Lancer at E3, and I was always like, ah, he seems kind of cool. And one of my mates actually met him like over in America and said he was really canny. And I was always like, I want to appreciate what this guy does. And I always, oh, yeah. Like, so, but the thing is, he ended up putting out at the fall of Lawbreakers. He put out like four other conceptualized ideas that he, the studio were gonna do, and that they either got knocked back or he was saving the pitch at other 
other people or whatever. And all of them looked way better than both Lawbreakers and Radical Heights. Like there was stuff with like weird, like uh, like Eastern sort of themed, like nano suits and like flying through the air with massive blades, landing in mechs and fighting. So essentially stuff. Titanfall Sekiro. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like, even if you say that, and it's a way more enticing idea pretty cool, I must say. than like an 80s themed Battle Royale. But back on this, but yeah. st- is it Storm Chasers? Storm Divers. Storm Divers. Um, Storm Chases is that TV show, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Storm Divers. <laughs> I think I think it's one of those things where it's another battle royale game, mm-hmm. similar to what we're going to think with Blackout and the and the the Battlefield Five Bla- uh, Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. It's just wait and see. But I think I I wouldn't put any any traction behind these. I I think the battle the, the Battlefield and the COD one will be different because they have the 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 fan base there for the rest of the game. God. As for mm-hmm. for this, I, I'm really not sure. I tell you the counterpoint to that. I Fortnite has so much momentum. It's so it's so much. People say the word battle royale and someone on the street goes Fortnite. Like the, it's so established that like if you're if you're a diehard Fortnite player, then do you even want to play that with a Call of Duty mold? Yeah. Like it's interesting because I am we're curious or I'm curious to just see what it's like playing those you know those. Uh, frameworks with a, the, the Call of Duty engine, DICE's Battlefield engine. But like, if you're really into your Battle Royale and you play it every day and you're already into PUBG and Fortnite, do you care about Call exactly. Battlefield? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. That's so. the thing. It's either they're, they're, they're jumping on the, this Battle Royale hype train totally. far too late mm-hmm. or they're nailing it and starting at the right time. Because I wonder, if like... The battle, if, if Fortnite and PUBG are starting to get a bit stale. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of see this that... Fortnite, this, this whole big Fortnite thing is not going to last forever. No, not forever. I mean, I think that the, the the bubble that we're in, or, like, the sort of the, I don't know, the escalated level of popularity that it has right now, like, that, I think, will last for a good, like, at least another half a year or another definitely, year or so. Definitely, um, Which, I guess, means that, you know, something like Stormdivers can land in the middle of that and be like, hey, we do that too. But then I think if, if somebody waited to, like, oh, Fortnite's on the way down, it's now our time, but, like, why make a battle royale game now? <laughs> It's like turning around saying, we've made an Overwatch clone. It's like, yeah. why? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the amount of games that Overwatch killed, like Lawbreakers was one of them. Yeah. And it's like, if that ends up being the case where Fortnite just dominates to a degree that no one wants to try anything else, then that's disastrous yeah. for everybody else. I think it's in the way these uh, big hitters are sort of presenting the Battle Royale games. Like we talked about um, Blackout being its own mode, essentially. Mm. You know, you've got you've got zombies, you've got multiplayer, and you've got Blackout. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Battlefield Five, it feels far more of an afterthought because it's just another mode. You've got yep. Conquest, you've got Grand Operations, and you've got Battle Royale if you want it, but it's not, it doesn't have that same push behind it. No. And yet on the other side, like you said, you don't want to go all in on Battle Royale because the market is so it's saturated, so, yeah. it's so, it's like, so monopolized. That's, that's yeah. the, I think that's an interesting segue into the into the Battlefield 5 mm. and the COD stuff because when they showed off Blackout, because I mean, we all knew Blackout was coming. Yep. When the, the first stuff about the next COD came out, we're like, it's going to have Battle Royale. It's going to have to have Battle And everyone went, ugh. But then <laughs> we, we, got to, we got to the reveal event, um, which was in May. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Blackout, this is it. Here's here's what it's going to be. Here's some sort of in-game, not really in-game stuff. Mm -hmm. But then at E3, the guys from DICE just went, Battle Royale, and then walked off the stage. All they said, they didn't have to... It's not like they didn't have to say anything else. Yeah. They just didn't say anything else. I don't think it's because they had much to say or show. Yeah, and they just went, oh, God, Call of Duty doing it. Oh, we should do it We should do it as well. I mean, if you look at the latest trailer for Battlefield 5, they did show a tiny snippet. I didn't even... I only when I uh, realized that that was what it was. I went back and saw it and, oh, of course, oh, I see. <laughs> but when I first saw the first March of the trailer, didn't even occur to me that was Battle Royale. Right. Didn't occur to me at all. I think exactly what you just said there, Rich, epitomizes the different approaches of those different studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, Treyarch came out and went, Battle Royale, we've got Blackout. It's going to have a distinctive COD theme. We're keeping it within like our We're identity. We're together. stitching the maps together. It's going to be a celebration of the history. Mm-hmm. And DICE went, 
Battle Royale. It expected <laughs> yeah. that to sell alone. Come back like, later. But then no, people, no. From, like, from no. a mechanical standpoint, especially with how I like Battle Royale, because I'm a, I'm a PUBG player, not mm -hmm. a Fortnite player. And PUBG right. plays like a more realistic shooter. There's definitely more. There's, there's more gravity, literally gravity yeah, well, behind more, the game. Uh, tactical and Battlefield has that model. Because mm -hmm. Battlefield and Call of Duty are in are in different leagues now. If you put if you pit them against each other, you're you're, you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. um, so battle so Battlefield, I feel, has a better model for battle royale. Really, but then their approach to battle royale, as we've said, probably isn't going to be as good as the one True. for Call of Duty. But I am intrigued, especially after playing the beta for Black Ops Four, mm -hmm. the new time to kill, the new health system. Maybe that has come out of the Battle Royale. And if that's the case, that has been a big improvement to Call of Duty. Plus, if the likes of Stormdivers are going to start implementing more class-based stuff into a Battle Royale, then that if that is That is its own thing. Four. It's a class thing. Maybe that's why, because you look at uh, Battlefield as opposed to Call of Duty, and you think, oh yeah, this is the game that would be best suited for Battle Royale. But mm -hmm. maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's because Call of Duty has had to adapt and change that makes it more interesting because they're going to actually do something unique. Well, maybe not unique, because it means Activision and Call of Duty, but they're going to do <laughs> try to do something different with it and they're going to yeah. have to adapt to make it work whereas Battlefield can literally just be like well the components are kind of there the features yeah. are kind of there it'll it'll work I, I, I feel like you know what it's obviously because obviously as you said that Blackout is its own mode like Pete there were rumours before they revealed it it was mm. going to be its own game it was mm. just going to be called Call of Duty Blackout mm -hmm. yeah. and it would be just consistently uh, updated and I think that might be what they do anyway because I mean Treyarch is still supporting Black Ops 3 now yeah um I've completely forgotten my point. Well, I was going to say, when you said about um, associating it as its own game, I was just going to say, how much does the average person, the overall public, associate Battle Royale with free? Because yeah. Fortnite yeah. is free, and that's what made it huge. So if Call of Duty and Battlefield both go, we've got our Battle Royale modes, but they're locked behind £60, $60 paywalls. I don't. Th I think that'll yeah. kill but it then dead. Actually, I've completely I remembered where I was going now. With go this on. One. Obviously, Black has its own mode. I feel like with Battle Royale in Battlefield 5, it's going to be literally Team Deathmatch, Domination, or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Battle Royale, it's just going to be a multiplayer mode. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. I mean, the, the, something we can pick out from that little teaser was that it's uh, there's firewalls instead of the storm. You do airdrop in, and that there are vehicles, which I guess is potentially enough to give it a little bit of an identity next to Fortnite, next to PUBG. Ish. Yeah. There are tanks, mate. There's not any there tanks, tanks in the in other regular one. Regular battlefield, though. At the end of know. the day, at the end of the day, with both of them, it's just a it's a battle royale for the sake of battle royale. Well, that's the so, thing, right? Like, yeah. It depends which audience you want. Because when you're saying that to me, it's like, oh, it's got tanks. It's it's got. Oh, that's all it's got. It's got mm. tanks. It is, it's me as a battlefield player. Uh -huh. I'm looking at that. Why would I want to play that when those features work far better in conquest or mm -hmm. operations? But if you're attracting a, a sort of. Um, uh, the Battle Royale crowd, that mm. might bring them in, but it's two entirely different demographics you're trying to target there, and it's mm. like, why would you want to split it in that way? It would be bizarrely poetic if the <laughs> the culminate if we look back on this in like three, four years' time, after the boom, when it settled down into just like a game mode, or whatever it is, if we literally had a hundred different Battle Royale games, and they all went back down to one, and it was still Fortnite. We had a hundred potential contenders, and it was always the one. Literally from the battle, literally the battle royale of battle royale. Yeah, exactly. So. That kind of might be a nice way to think about it. If it would be disastrous for the other ninety-nine people. Um, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much our roundup of Gamescom. We still, I was initially going to go back to Resident Evil Two and Sekiro, but we talked a fair bit about them. And you can go and check out the substantial uh, gameplay clips of both those games anyway. So yeah, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, just get in touch on Twitter or find a place that has comments and shout out your love. You can Yay. find us on. Well, I guess you've probably already found us, but we're on iTunes, we're on Acast, we're on Podbeam, we're on Podcast Addict, we're everywhere. Tell your friends. Uh, find us on Twitter. I'm Scott Tilford at slash LP89. Mr. Rich. I'm Rich. I'm at Pickup Change Toe. I'm Josh. And I'm at Josh Broom with two O's. Very nice. And we'll find you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
Well, someone hit the button. Hit the button. Just be stop. Record pauses. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/trip for free shipping and three hundred sixty-five day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.